Welcome to the Testimony Podcast, people of faith telling the stories that matter from their lives. I'm your host, Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm delighted that you can join us for this conversation. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at Testimony Podcast. And welcome to episode 24 of the Testimony Podcast. Have you ever had one of those periods in your life where you felt that God is completely distant and silent? You might also have had times where you felt that in fact God was so close to you, you could practically reach out and touch him. You can remember times when he's been right there and you felt his presence close to you. If you have felt very close to God, when you then feel you're in a time where he's distant and remote, that can seem all the more perplexing. It can also make you feel like you're the only person in the world to have felt this way. Well, if you identify with any of this, I have good news for you. You are not the first person to feel this way. And indeed, it's a natural part of our walk with God. And neither are you on your own. When you feel that God is distant from you and you're wrestling with that, you are in fact part of a great tradition that stretches back through church history to the great men and women of faith and back further even to the New Testament times, times of adversity and sacrifice and back even further still into the Old Testament to the times of the prophets and the leaders of God's chosen people. And in fact, the scriptures are full of stories of the people closest to God crying out to him in anguish because they feel that God has forsaken them or is distant from them. What we learn from all this, as my guest today will testify, is that just because we can't hear him or even sense him, it does not mean that he's gone. Rather, he is present with us still in the wrestling and conflict that we face. So my guest today is Nigel Langford, a former church pastor and currently director of domestic mission in the UK for the Bible Society. Nigel shares with us his own experiences of wrestling with God's silence, of partnering with God as he works in the world and on learning the deep and profound meaning of what it is to be adopted by God as his child. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Here it is. Nigel, welcome to the Testimony Podcast. It's great to have you as my guest today. Thank you so much, Andy. It's just a real privilege to be with you. uh, For those listening, Nigel and I go back a long way. I can't remember exactly when I met you, Nigel. It must have been like 98 99 or something I can't you know yes about over 20 years ago certainly when we were in Southend Vineyard um happy days anyway welcome Nigel it's great to have you as my guest today and I wonder if we could start by you telling us a little bit about your upbringing the the context in which you came to faith maybe some stuff like that Mm. well you can probably tell from my accent occasionally that there's a little bit of Welsh in there and you can take you can take the boy out of Wales but you can't take Wales out of the boy and uh, moved to London probably around age nine or ten. I'm pretty useless with with numbers and dates, as my wife will attest to. Um, I remember moving up to London, son of a pastor. So I grew up in the faith, but didn't really feel a sense of connection to it. And um, I think for a number of years, I just drifted off. Found church to be irrelevant, you know, boring, scary at times. And seemed to have a lot more fun with um, my friends until my brother invited me to a a John Wimber conference. I think it was in 1995 called Healing 95 in Brighton. And I mean, I'd been suffering really badly from stomach irritable bowel syndrome, anxiety, you know, stress, all that kind of stuff. And um, had an incredible power encounter at that conference. And 
it was as if everything I got taught from age zero to, at that point, I must have been about 18, actually all came to life again. And I felt mm. like I really encountered mm. Jesus. And I, I got healed of that condition. It's never come back since then. I haven't had that kind of power encounter since, but it really was a, a groundbreaking moment in my life. Mm. And mm. Um, I came to faith and then I realized that through the power of Christ, I can see other people's lives changed. And so I started on, on this journey of trying to discover what that meant. Okay. So where did you go next and what did you do next then after that? Yeah, so I think this is where maybe we would have crossed paths in, in the late 90s. And I was still a little bit of a scallywag. You know, even, even though I'd, I'd come to faith, I was still wrestling with a lot of things and connected into South End Vineyard. I met yourselves and others and really went on a journey actually of what it meant to minister to the poor, minister to the disadvantaged and to the broken. And one of the things I really loved about South End Vineyard in its early days was this sense of welcoming people from the margins. And, and it really was just something I'd never seen before. Mm. But really, I think, modeled the ministry of, of Jesus in, in a really powerful way. So, yeah, got really involved there. Eventually uh, went on staff. I met my wife there and uh, Nikki. And they were great days. I mean, they, were, they really were mm. fun, formative yeah. and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, we we had some good times and uh, met some interesting people actually in that church. Yeah. I can remember. Um, I'll, I'll tell this story. The the first time we went there, the guy who was doing tea and coffee. I might have told you this story, Nigel. The guy, the guy doing tea and coffee, <laughs> we'll call him Fred. And so I went out to Fred, and he's doing tea and coffee, and he said, "Hello, I'm Fred, and I'm an alcoholic." And I thought, <laughs> "This is fine. This is good. This this is going to be a good place to be." And he was absolutely fine. He was comfortable. You know, he was, he just accepted who he was uh, mm. and he knew he was in a space where, where God could minister to him. And, and there were plenty of people, you know, plenty of people in that, in that church that were like that. So yeah, yeah you, you were at South End. Now, I mean, if we kind of fast forward a little bit then mm. to, to what you do now. So I think you've got quite an interesting job and I'd like, it'd be good to hear a little bit about what you do. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're up to now then? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So fast forward and a number of years. I now am grand title. I'm director of domestic mission at the British and Foreign Bible Society. It's got 200 years of rich history and its roots are back in the famous names of uh, Wilberforce and Co and the Clapham sect and this desire to get the scriptures into the hands of the common people as it were. And, and then actually to all the nations of the world and that's a really rich history and it it formed so many different things culturally around literacy the, the bible was 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 used in so many different ways to uh, empower people as well as the story within it being such a life-giving and saving story the, the story of christ mm. um the bible itself was a powerful tool of lifting people out of poverty through through literacy, as I've said, and 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 other means. So it's really interesting, interesting dynamic there. I particularly now I'm responsible for all our sort of partnerships and engagement with churches and missional agencies, with um, all our work into prisons and chaplaincy. Uh, our, all our work into education, our work broader across the church, even into sort of the Catholic Church through a, a campaign that we have called The God Who Speaks. Mm. Um, all our work in Wales, which is 
you know, very dear to my heart. And I'm, I'm probably missing something and somebody will listen to this and really tell me off. But it's it's very broad work and it's it's far reaching into sort of most of the things that we do in England and Wales. Mm, OK. And so, so you kind of oversee that all of the kind of domestic. So England and Wales activities. Yes. That's the, you're, the, you're the head of all that. Yeah. And the bigger picture we have, I think, is that God is at work in the world. How do we partner with him? And uh, that's how I see mission. And there's three things that Bible Society are committed to. It's raising Bible confidence in the church. It, it's changing the conversation about the Bible and culture. And it's seeing the what we would call the um, transformative embodiment of the Bible in the world. So, you know, we can raise confidence in the church around the Bible. That will make the church hopefully more missionally mobilized if you become more confident in that. We change the conversation, we engage, we, we, we believe the Bible has been misrepresented and the conversation has gone way off track. Well, it's time to change that. But if we have all those things without seeing the embodiment of that change in people's lives in the world, the incarnational piece, then we're only really scratching the surface. Mm. Okay. So when you look at, at your life and you think about the things that have happened to you and your experiences, are there maybe two or three occasions where you would say, yeah, I, I really had a sense of Christ as my companion close to me in that moment? And these could be time, great times or, or you know, really difficult times or, or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been been a number. I think two that come to mind that I think I, I'd want to hone in on is the first one was probably the loss of um, our son. And um, so Nikki and I were for many years trying for a family and were were not successful. Then one day I remember her sort of beaming, running into me and telling me this incredible piece of news that she was pregnant. And I think it was just after the 12, 12 13 weeks, we, we miscarried. And that was deeply painful, really, because we felt that... Um, Maybe this was a promise. You know, I don't know if, if you've noticed in, in church family quite often, you get lots of prophecy and, and, and a lot of the prophecy is often, you know, because people want the best for you. Mm. Um, but they, so they prophesy or speak from that place of, well, we really want you to be pregnant. God's got good plans for you. That particular text, God's got good plans for you, is Jeremiah 29, 11, which was sent to a group of people who were in exile in a foreign city, scared out, scared out of their minds probably. So you know, context is everything. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we 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 thought, well, obviously we we we're not seeing that promise, and we really wrestled with that. We wrestled with our faith, stared down the barrel. I was co-leading a church at the time, and often wondering if I really believed some of the things that I was advocating mm -hmm. and and inspiring others to reach out to. I'd have really dark moments of of confusion and depression and uncertainty but in it all I really felt that God was silent but he wasn't absent that I didn't really get a lot of answers and yes maybe there were times I felt there was a sense of absence but but in it all looking back I do see moments where I think I was hanging on by my fingertips but he was there and through people through through nature, through poetry, through, through the Bible, through so many different ways that God would speak to us. 
he spoke to me. I just didn't always recognize it because I was so mashed up about uh, what had happened. One of the things that kind of brought that to to sort of a a position of seeing God at work was when we 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 then planted a church into London, and the way he spoke to us was by revealing this kind of vision to us, <clears throat> which is like a longer story, really, uh, on our on our wedding anniversary. And um, and I remember we, us being totally convinced about the need to plant this church. And and I remember Nikki sort of about a few hours later just breaking down and and crying. And I said to her, what, what's up? And she said, don't you know what today is? I said, well, yes, our wedding anniversary. And she said, yes, the day we miscarried because we miscarried on our wedding anniversary about five years before. And she said, isn't it amazing that on the, that God chooses to reveal something to us really strongly on the very day that mm. we lost something really precious mm. that, uh, and that actually became a part of our DNA when we planted that our lives are a bit like a mosaic that we can be smashed, but God gathers up the broken pieces that, if they were left on the floor, would cut people, would get under people's skin, would cause real pain to others. But when God scoops up those pieces and puts them together and then shines through them, I don't know if you've ever seen a light shining through a mosaic, there's something of a haunting beauty that you see. And I think from that whole experience, they're the two words that always stay in my mind. There was a haunting beauty about God being a companion and about God being close and about how others were able to connect with us through that brokenness, mm. through that haunting beauty that was in some ways captivating. And, and I think God spent most of my life sweeping up my broken pieces and making mosaics out of them. Mm. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Coming back to the second yeah, bit tell about, me about the second one then. Which is all about adoption, really. And mm. um, we I think we had to spend a number of years making sure we were totally, uh, um, totally is not the right word, but making sure that we were adopting for the right reasons, that it wasn't a, a poor substitute that we were trying to connect with. And I, I remember how uh, that I did for a number of years, I was very resistant to adoption because in my selfishness, I didn't want somebody else's child. That's how I put it. Yeah, and I um, remember walking down South End uh, on Sea Seafront, and um, I remember one day wrestling with God about adoption, and I said, "I just don't want someone else's child." And you know, the I really heard God in my head, like say, "But you're adopted," and I remember being so offended because I was like, "No, I don't. I have natural birth parents. What are you talking about?" He said, "No, I adopted you." Yeah, you're yeah. adopted. And it was just like a something broke over me. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, and so we pursued adoption. And what's really crazy, if you're interested, for all of you out there who are really into sort of, I don't know, more of the prophetic end of stuff and dates and how things line up, when we pursued adoption and we, we passed panel, um, just before we passed panel, the profile of a little boy came through who we became convinced would be our son and who is our son. I, I remember reading through his portfolio and we got to the point of, and this is really quite something, we got through to the point of his date of birth 
And what is really, really quite crazy is that his date of birth was the due date of the son we lost. Gosh, right. Yeah. Uh, so that links the two stories, right? Um, and I remember the both of us just looking at each other, my wife and I, Nikki and I, just looking at each other and going, this is remarkable. I mean, this really is remarkable. This is another level of beauty from ashes. Um, it's not that, you know, we forget um, the child we lost because we will, we will meet them one day. Um, but this is a kind of a resurrection of, of a promise that didn't really work out the way we had anticipated. But now, 18 months to two years into the adoption, uh, I can honestly say that I, I very rarely look at him and think I've adopted him. I just look at him and I think he's my son. Mm-hmm. And it's radically changed the way I, it's, re- it's changed my theology. It's, it's changed the way I view ministry. It's changed the way I viewed life. God has used this whole process to change me more than than in my mind. Uh, I was I I was being used to change my son's life, you know, rescuing him. But actually, in it all, God has used that to change me uh, in a big way. Okay. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is a there's a haunting beauty, isn't there, about that that the way that all came together with those dates? Then isn't there really? Um, yeah, that that must have been. That must have kind of kind of struck at your heart, really. When you, when yeah, it, it really did. I mean, you know, we were, I think we were really just frozen to the chair, really. And yeah. uh, the, I mean, just to say as well, you know, the, it really, it all just felt like God was orchestrating it. Yeah. yeah. Um, not orchestrating all the, you know, I, I'm not saying he orchestrated everything that I've talked about, but in it all, he was making all things new. Yeah. Despite yeah. everything. Yeah. So now you've you've had your adopted son for eighteen months, two years, did you say? Yeah. So we were halfway through the uh, transition process with him when COVID hit. Right. Uh, so we still had about two to three weeks left to transition with him. <laughs> we were told, look, tomorrow you need to put him in a car. You need to put his belongings in a car. You need to drive back to London. Otherwise, we're all going to get into lockdown, and you're not going to see him for goodness knows how long. Um, so it's either make or break. It's 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 do or die. It's go yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And that really felt so strange that we went from a very sort of carefree couple who had a lot of hang-ups in trying to start a family, but had a lot of spare free. Well, I say free time. We were, we were busy doing our things, but yeah. suddenly now we're faced with a two-year-old, two and a half-year-old in lockdown measures where we <laughs> could only leave the house for one hour. Uh, so that was a very, very full-on introduction. Yeah. Um, and even though it had its merits and um, was really good that we didn't have loads of other people, you know, coming in and confusing him, he, he had months with us by ourselves. It was still a very interesting period of time. So we, we got him and it's, it's been a remarkable story of trauma, tears, pain, anxiety, to healing and love and uh, bonding and security and development. Mm. And God has taught me so much about, well, I, you know, just God's just really altered my way of thinking through that process. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Is there anything you want to share as a kind of final thought, things that you think are particularly important for people to hear from your experience of the faith? I mean, my sense is that it might be good for you to just speak a little bit more to people listening to this who are in a sense of pain, confusion, loss, mm. Mm. Um, that actually it might be quite good for them to, to hear yeah. somebody who's been there mm. and, and, and talking about the root out of it. So, mm. you know, the, mm. the floor is yours for a, for a few minutes just to kind of okay. on that, yeah. No, that's grand. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, suppose I've learned a lot. Um, you learn more in the things you don't understand and the things you feel wound you than often you do from your successes or your triumphs. Um, I think you learn a lot more. And yeah. if you take Holy Week, let's just take Holy Week, for example. It starts off really well. Jesus on a donkey, he's going to introduce them. Everybody's happy. It ends really well because there's resurrection and there's hope, yeah. right? Yeah. But in the middle of that, there's what I would call a lot of interesting things taking place. There's confusion. There's Jesus telling his disciples, you know, um, I'm not going to be around much longer. That You know, he gathers them to eat and says one of them's going to betray him. He talks in riddles. There's total confusion. He gets betrayed. They get scattered. Um, he gets bludgeoned to death, basically. Uh, and in all of that, there's this deep sense of confusion, uh, a, a deep sense of maybe even grief that you've just been left. You know, that sort of um, orphaned spirit of like, where have you gone? Like, you've completely abandoned us. And I, I, I resonate with Holy Week, Andy, because I've been in those moments where I had that massive encounter with the Lord, you know, this adoption piece that I talked about feels like, you know, Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, but in the middle is this whole different set of experiences. And I know for me that having, having people in my life who look out for me and tell me the truth is really important. Being able to talk to people, being able to share how I'm really feeling for people to pray with me, to make myself vulnerable to, to some people who I trust is really, really important. Isolating yourself and turning away is, is really not the answer. So I would say don't turn yourself off from others. Uh, don't turn yourself off from God. If you're angry with God, walk toward him in your anger. Um, if, you're, if you're so confused with God and you feel like you're in um, a hole, reach out your hands like just reach out just don't have the posture of of reaching out toward don't don't walk away it's okay to be angry it's okay to be confused it's okay to scream and shout and do whatever to get that out of your system but don't turn your back on i mean i have i'm saying that because i did and it made it a lot more difficult for me to sort of to recover so friends my posture with God, you know, I'm not going to go into massive Christianese about, you know, too much around, you know, we'll pray and read the Bible, but really does help actually to sort of wrestle with God in the scriptures, mm -hmm. you know, like Jacob wrestled with God. You often find that God is more present in the wrestling in the Bible, in the conflict, that if you meet God in your conflict, you can get, you actually, you can meet him in, in all levels of pain, in all your failures in all your sin, it's actually waiting for you there. He embraces you. So, so having that understanding that God has not abandoned you, but is actually waiting for you. It's actually, if you take the adoption, 
I pursued, my wife and I pursued Dominic. We saved him, really. We, you know, we, we brought him back to our house. We gave him security. We fed him, became part of our family. He started to heal. We then got legal uh, recording from the judge. Now he is an heir to everything that I own. So his identity has changed beyond all measure. What has a four-year-old done to see that come to fruition in their life? Nothing. They've done nothing. We see God quite often as this angry person who inflicts judgment on us. And maybe you know, we need to get saved from the fiery pit of hell. So we say a prayer, we sign on the dotted line, and we get there through the flames. Whereas what I see, even in the Gospels, is the pursuer coming for us, coming among us, Emmanuel, coming, going for the one. Will you leave the 99? Will you look for that lost coin? You know, let's go on and on and on, right? God comes and pursues and he saves and he changes and he heals and he gives us his identity as heirs. So we go from being broken and smashed to becoming sons and daughters. Mm. And I would say that that's been my revelation through this whole process has been allow, allow, don't run away from the pain, but sit in it and try and allow yourself, especially in relationship with other people helping you to find God in it because God is not above it or beneath it. He's in it. He's in that place. And I think, you know, being kind to yourself, I think we're not kind to ourselves. When we go through pain, we blame ourselves a lot. We wonder what we've done. What have we done to, to deserve this? Be kind to yourself and eat lots of chocolate. I think um, a famous church leader once said, you know, do you need to take medication to get through stuff? Take medication. Like, you know, why not? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God can use anything. Mm -hmm. in creation to heal us he can use his divine presence he can use some herbs he can use a tablet from the doctor to help us he can use chocolate you know or coffee <laughs> but you know there's that sense of um and then finally i'd say in all of that try not to be too super spiritual so when you're wrestling with god trying to find him when you're in relationship with others don't try and be super spiritual about it all because God is in the everyday of life. He's in the mundane. He's in, he's in the bit by bit by bit. I think to finish my thoughts to you, Psalm 119, 105 is probably the text that helped me get through it. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What it doesn't say there is your word is a lamp unto my street. God doesn't light up the whole street and show you the full picture. He puts just enough light in front of you to take the next step. Mm -hmm. And and I know now from experience that often it's in the practical, it's in the mundane, as well as in the wrestling, that God is bringing healing to us. So they're my rambling random thoughts. <laughs> Amen to all of that. That's great. Um, it reminds just what you were saying towards the end just reminds me of like when Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and love, love mm. God. Uh, that's like the, the, everything hangs on that. 
And mm. I think we, we can often forget that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. That. Not just love your neighbor, but we are, we're commanded to, perhaps to paraphrase it along the lines, you said we're, we're almost commanded, it feels, to be kind to ourselves. Yes. So to give ourselves a break or whatever, however you want to put it. Mm. Except to perhaps understand a bit of how God sees us and the process yes. with which he sees us. Mm. Okay, that's great. So yeah, Nigel, thank you so much for sharing with us today some some very personal stuff there. Really appreciate you you sharing that with us and, and your thoughts on on how we get through suffering, the reality of suffering in our lives and and the disappointment sometimes and rejection and all that kind of stuff. Thank you Andy, it's been a real privilege to chat with you today. Well, it's been great to have a chance to talk to you. Thank you for joining me today. See ya. Bless you. you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Testimony Podcast. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at TestimonyPodcast. If you want to find out more about the Christian faith and connect with someone to talk about your experiences or answer your questions, just go to www.christianity.org.uk from wherever you are in the world. That's www.christianity.org.uk. I look forward to sharing more of the stories that matter from people of faith with you soon. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.